scripture reading for today will be coming from Judges chapter 6, verses 36 through 40. That's Judges chapter 6, verses 36 through 40. And it reads, Then Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, Behold, I am laying a fleece of wool on the threshing floor, on all the ground. Then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And it was so, when he rose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece, he wrung enough dew from the fleece to fill a bowl with water. Then Gideon said to God, let not your anger burn against me. Let me speak just once more. Please let me test just once more with the fleece. Please let it be dry on the fleece only, and on all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night, and it was dry on the fleece only. And on all the ground, there was dew. May the Lord add a blessing to this reading of his word. Amen. Let's pray. Ask God for help. Father, these are your words. These are your people. So we we plead with you for help. We understand that apart from your help, these words do not have power, they do not have life, they do not have the ability to change hearts and to change minds, apart from your spirit, apart from you applying the word to our hearts. And so we pray, we plead with you, O Lord, come and help us. Come and help us understand your word. Come and help us apply your word. Come by your Holy Spirit and change our hearts and our minds. We might see Jesus and see a savior and see our king and see our Lord, see our savior. Father, I'm always, I always feel inadequate not worthy to stand before your people, Lord. There is much sin in my life. But I thank you that your grace, your grace is is greater than all of our sin. So I plead, I plead for your help, Lord, in delivering your word to your people. Come, Lord Jesus, by your spirit, come. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you were here last week, you're probably thinking, uh, is BJ reading the wrong scripture? <laughs> That's the scripture that we read last week. As you know, over the last two weeks, we have been going over and looking at the life of Gideon. Now, we are not done with Gideon. Uh, we still have a couple of more things to learn about him. But What we talked about last week, in light of what we talked about last week, we thought it might be a good idea to camp out in this uh, this story of Gideon and his infamous fleece. Pastor Tony touched on it briefly last week, but I thought it might be good to dig a little deeper and to, to push a little further on something that I'm sure that we have all struggled with. I'm sure we have all struggled with this. And perhaps there are some of us here today that are struggling with this as well. That struggle is knowing 
what is the will of God. Or finding the will of God. Or discovering the will of God. Or seeking the will of God. Or living and walking in the will of God. All of us, all of us have heard these terms used over and over and over again. And perhaps we have used these these terms quite a bit ourselves. Maybe, perhaps, I'm thinking in a, in a, in a, Congregation this size, there are some of you who are here this evening that are feeling some type of anxiety, you're fearing, feeling some type of fear because of a big decision that you are facing. Perhaps a, a job opportunity has presented itself. A nice young lady or, or man has kind of caught your eye and you're wondering what to do about it. Maybe it's, the, it's a large pur- purchase, or perhaps a home or, or a car. Or maybe you are contemplating going into full-time ministry, going into the missions field. Maybe it, you're just trying to figure out which church to join. These are big decisions that we are faced with. Big decisions that we are faced with all the time. But what about the the numerous seemingly insignificant, the minor choices that we make every single day? From what we eat to the clothes that we wear to the hairstyle that we're going to wear, the the route to work that we're going to take, papers to read, people to call. The list goes on and on and on, choice after choice after choice. You cannot escape making choices in this world. You are going to. you, You are going to have to make choices. For the Christian, for the Christian, this poses a dilemma. You see, before Christ, before Christ, you and I made choices that would seek to please ourselves and to please those who we esteemed worthy of pleasing. Perhaps our our parents or perhaps friends, people that influenced us. We, We sought to please them. You made decisions based upon how it would make you feel, what would, what would cause you to have the most satisfaction and the most pleasure. But when you were, when you were rescued from the bondage of sin, when you were rescued from the bondage of sin and God began to sanctify you, your, de- your desires changed. Maybe even, your, maybe even your passions changed a little bit. And you now sought the person that you sought to glorify and to please ultimately, ultimately changed. Well, it should have changed. Your desire was now to to please God and to to glorify him. And you began to make decisions and choices that that would seek to please him. You found yourselves asking questions like, what would God have me to do in this situation? What is the Lord's will for me in this situation? You began consulting God for your decisions and the the everyday choices that you were making, requesting help, and even even the, the small, insignificant choices of life. These are... These are great questions to be asking. It is, it should be our desire to please God. We should be seeking the Lord for our big decisions and even the the small decisions, the, the mundane choices and the difficult choices. We should be seeking God for these things. But too often, 
Far too often, the will of God, as people try to find it and understand it, leave them paralyzed, fearful, anxiety-ridden, and just plain confused. There are reasons for this, and I hope to unpack a couple of these reasons um, tonight in hopes that the, the word of God would bring clarity, that it would bring clarity to a topic that has been often left people frustrated and disappointed. One of the, one of the rain, main reasons people have trouble with the will of God is because they have a misunderstanding of God. That is at the heart of the problem. That is at the heart of the problem. Most um, theology books, systematic theology books, if you were to look at them, after they have established that, that the scriptures are indeed the word of God, they then move to the study of God and the study of man. The reason they do that is because if you get those two things wrong, if you get the study of God wrong and the study of man wrong, then it's all downhill from there. Downhill. The hole gets bigger and bigger as you try to fit your and stuff your ideas through the hole. It just doesn't work. You get those two doctrines wrong, everything else, your theology is going downhill from there. And so... When you don't understand or believe the Bible as it describes God to be in his character and in his attributes, that is naturally going to result in you not knowing or understanding the will of God. The Bible describes God as all-knowing. He is all-knowing. Psalm 139 and 6, David reminds us of this. He says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too wonderful for you. It is high. I cannot attain it. He is all-knowing. He knows everything, nothing. Nothing surprises God. Nothing catches him off guard. He knows all things. You got to get that right. The Bible also describes him as sovereign, As sovereign, you are the Lord, you alone. You have made the heavens, uh, the heaven of heavens with all their hosts, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. And you preserve all of them and the host of heaven worships you. This is what Nehemiah tells us about the sovereignty of God, that he is in control of all things, that he has created everything and he preserves everything. God, the, the God of the Bible is not only all-knowing, but he is sovereign. Describes him as always doing things right and always doing things good. Romans eleven thirty three says, oh, oh, the, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. When God does something, he does it right, and he does it good. He, he has all wisdom, and he applies that when he is working in the earth. He is all-knowing, all, he is sovereign, and he has wisdom and does things right. It also describes the will of God in two ways. Two aspects to, that the Bible describes the will of God in. 
His will of decree. This is the secret will of God. This is the secret will of God. The things we, we do not know or we're not, we're not supposed to know until they are revealed to us. God carries out these things as he wills. Um, not, he doesn't need our counseling. He does what he, he, he desires, doing what brings him the most glory. This is God's secret will. In Ephesians, we learn about this in the Bible, in Ephesians chapter 1 and 11, where, where it says that in him we have an, obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things. doesn't say some things. All things according to the counsel of his will. Or in Isaiah 46, 9 through 10, where he says, remember the former things of old, for I am the God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purposes. God has a secret will. And he executes that according to his sovereign plan, according to his will, according to his good purpose. The secret will of God. When people talk about the will of God, this is the will that they really want to know. They are concerned with the secret things of God, trying to discover things that the Bible has not revealed. Like, what job should I take? Who to marry? What church to attend? Who to be friends with? And what school to attend? We want to make sure that we choose the right path that God has set for us. The Bible is clear. These are the secret things. These are the secret things. We are not to try to to figure out those things that have not been revealed. When James says in chapter 4, verse 15, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will do this or or do that. These, These are the things that God has commanded in Scripture. Then there is his perceptive will or his revealed will. So we've got the secret will and we've got his perceptive will or his, the will, will that he has revealed. These are the things that God has commanded in Scripture. These are the things that he has commanded, the aspects of, of God's will that has been revealed to us. As Kevin DeYoung puts it in his book, Just Do Something, this is the will of desire or, or how things ought to be. We see this in the Bible when God says in passages like Matthew 7 and 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. And in Ephesians 5 and 17, when he says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. God commands us to follow his will. If he commands us to follow his will, then obviously we must know what his will is. God is, a, is good to people. He means that he must have revealed it to us in order for us to do it. 
He is not telling us to, to follow a way that he has hidden from us. And we do not have to go about searching and trying to find out the secret will of God. It's not a game of Marco Polo or a riddle or some giant puzzle that we've got to just figure out. So these passages, these passages that, that, that describe God's revealed will, they have to be talking about the revealed will of God, the, the, the will that God has commanded. God desires that we obey his commands. These are the two aspects, the two aspects of God's will that we see in the Bible. Unless, unless you see this, unless you see these two aspects as the Bible has revealed them, it will always be in your nature. It will always be in your nature to find out the secret will of God. It is always going to be you will be frustrated trying to find it because, you, because it is not for you to know. Well then, the question is, if we are to follow the will of God, God commands us to follow his will that we've just read here in Ephesians and in Matthew 7 and 21. And one aspect of his will is hidden. It's not for us to know. The other aspect is revealed for us to know. Then the question is, what is the will of God? This is the question that we need to answer. This is the question that seems to stump Christians and leave them confused and anxiety-ridden. But here's the deal. I don't think the problem is that people don't know what the will of God is. When I tell you, when I tell you what the will of God is, you're going you're gonna to say, oh, I knew that. Oh, I knew that. Tell me something new. And that's the problem. That is the problem. The problem is that when I tell you what the will of God is and you say, oh, I knew that. The problem is that you and I do not believe the will of God. We do not believe it. We are like Gideon in this respect. We are like Gideon in this respect. Gideon knew what the will of God was. It was clear. Go and fight the Midianites, Gideon. I am going with you, and you are going to defeat them. But Gideon puts out a fleece. He does not believe God. That is us. I think the real problem is that we know what the will of God, we just don't believe it. And think there has got to be more. And it leads to disobedience, the will of God. Sinclair Ferguson in his book um, called Discovering the, uh, God's Will, he says this, should I or shouldn't I is often ultimately a question of will I or will I not. It involves commitment, obedience, as well as knowledge and understanding. Very often when young people, and I would add in there when a number of people, everybody, when, when young people say that they are having problems about guidance, what they are really faced with is a problem about obedience. The issue at stake is whether we will 
walk along the path of righteousness in which God leads us? Are we willing to go through valleys of deep darkness so long as he is with us? We just don't believe the will of God. So are you ready? Are you ready for the will of God? Have I teased you long enough? Do you want to know what the will of God is for your life? The Bible is clear in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 3. This is the will of God, your sanctification. This is the will of God, your sanctification. That's it. God wants you to grow in Christ's likeness. He is conforming you to the image of his son. He is rooting out the sin that is deep within your heart. He is washing you. He is cleansing you so that you might be presented as without, blo- without spot or without blemish on the day of judgment. It, the will of God is your sanctification. You got to get that. You got to get that. Now. There are, there are various implications to this. There are various implications that are out in a variety of different ways, and we'll see that in a little bit. But I'd like to, I, 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 but like I said, we don't believe it, and probably more so, we don't like it. We don't like it, and so we search for fleeces, worldly ideas like horoscopes and fortune cookies. We find people that will agree with what we believe to be the will of God and find ourselves frustrated and confused when things don't turn out the way we wanted them to turn out. We say things like, well, you know, since this didn't work out, since this is getting hard and this is, this is getting tough because I'm having trouble in my marriage, this must not have been the will of God. This job is not bringing me happiness, so obviously this is not the will of God. This is the trap. This is the trap far too many Christians find themselves in, the thinking that they have. Because we believe we know best. We go looking for the secret things of God, claiming a special relationship claiming special insight that we heard the audible voice of God telling us to choose this wife or that husband or this job, claiming that we are in the will of God only when things go well. Here's the deal, brothers and sisters. We have all struggled with this. I have struggled with this. And so I don't bring up these things to mock or to shame or to look down on you or to condemn you at all. My prayer and my prayer has been all week is that is that you would that these things that you this evening that you would leave here free. That you would leave here knowing and understanding what the will of God and that it is not a secret. And she would leave here knowing what the will of God is for your life. So don't leave here condemned if this is your thinking. Don't leave here downtrodden. Oh, we're going to get it right. You will walk out of here knowing what the will of God is. The question will be, will you be obedient to it? So how 
How do we find the will of God? That's the question now. So if the will of God is your sanctification, you say, okay, I understand it. I get it. I know that's what the will of God is, is my sanctification. Then how does this work out practically? How does knowing that God desire, God's desire is for my sanctification help me make the decisions of life? I still have decisions to make. I still have choices to make. Well, obviously, since we don't know the secret will of God, we don't know the secret will, it must start and has to start with the will of command or the revealed will of God. That's where we need to start. And where, where do we find God's will of command? In the Bible. We find God's will of command in the Bible. You want to know what the will of God is for your life? Before going to a friend, before searching for a prophecy or a sign, go to the Bible. Go to the Bible. Go to the scriptures and search them. That is where you are going to find the will of God. That is where you're going to find his commands that are his will for you to carry out. Deuteronomy 29 and 29 says the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but we want to search them out. It says it here, they belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed, the scriptures, belong to us and our children forever, that we may do all the words of his law. Understand that God speaks to us and tells us what to do, but it is through his word it is word, it's through his word that he does so. Hebrews 1 and 1 and 2 says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by prophets. He did, spoke through prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us through his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. God speaks to us through his word. And understand that his word is sufficient. It is sufficient. It is God has given it, given it to us to guide us and to light our path and to, to direct us. This, this here, this Bible is the infallible word of God. It is without error. So why? Why would we seek another, another source? Consult with someone who may cause us or use a process that might leave, leave us unsure or confused, go to the Bible. The word of God is sufficient. In 2 Timothy 3.16, it says that all scripture, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in It helps us discern the will of God, where it says in Romans 12 and 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. How do you renew your mind? Through the Bible, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. When you go to the scriptures, when you go to the scriptures, you find what, what the will of God is, what God desires you to do. You find the will of God for your life. 
Let's look at some of his commands. Let's look at what he tells us to do. He tells us to repent. He commands us to repent and to turn from our sin. When Jesus came, he said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. In Acts, we read, repent, therefore, and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out. Or the continuing in 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 4, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you would abstain from sexual immorality, that each of one of you would know how to control his own body in holiness and in honor. God commands us to to turn from sin, to repent, and to believe in him. You are to make choices and decisions that lead you to pursue holiness, that lead you to flee from sin. Don't choose a job or a house that is going to place you in positions that will tempt you to sin. Don't don't choose a house that might lead you to be prideful or boastful or a job that would put you in a position that would compromise your integrity or cause you to forsake the fellowship of the saints. Don't ask God to show you the right job to choose. That's what we pray. God, show me the right job to choose. Ask him for wisdom in evaluating the job that you that is going to lead you away from sin and toward righteousness. That's how you use the commands of God to help you understand the will of God for your life. What else? What else does God command you? And we should not be anxious. Not worry. Matthew 6.25 tells us, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It is not, li- is not life, not more than food, and the body more than clothing. We are not to be anxious about the decisions or the choices we have to make. We- that God's secret will, his will of decree is perfect and good. Remember that he is all wise. He is all knowing. His ways are not like our ways. They are far better. Far better. And be reminded, be reminded that God is good to his people. I don't think people understand this. God is good to his people. Most of our anxiety, most of our anxiety about decisions and about what am I supposed to do, they stem from us thinking that God is going to punish us around every turn, around every corner. If we, if we somehow choose the wrong path, God is going to be angry with us and punish us. So we get fearful and we get anxiety ridden. But brothers and sisters, God is good to his people. He is loving, even his disciplining us. He, even in him disciplining us, he loves us. He loves you even when he is disciplining you. He is a good God that desires his people's sanctification, which is always, which is always good for us. What else does God command us to do? 
commands us to pray. To pray. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 Pray without ceasing. Matthew 6.33 But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. You want to know, you want to do the will of God? Pray without ceasing. Pray for all things, big decisions and, and small decisions. Seek God for all things and pray the will of God. Pray the will of God. Pray not to find an answer to your decision, but pray the revealed will of God in the midst of your decision. That he would give you peace and keep you from getting anxious about this decision. That he would lead you away from sin and help you to fight it and to defeat it. That he would give you wisdom in, in evaluating various opportunities. That he would help you to be concerned about the lives of others and to consider their interests above your interests. That he would use the decision that you make to sanctify you and cause you to be conformed unto his image. Pray the revealed will of God. Just don't pray for the answer. Don't just pray, Lord, show me the right job to choose. Pray that he would help you in evaluating the right opportunity to choose. What else? What else does God command us to do? Now, we are to glorify God. 1 Corinthians 10 and 31. So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Do it all for his glory. Isn't this the ultimate purpose of man? Don't we, don't we learn about this in the first question of the Westminster Catechisms? What is the chief end of man? To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So as we make decisions, we are to, to make them in light of God's glory. How is this decision bringing glory to God? Will the, will the home I choose, will it honor God? And cause people to worship God because I live there? Is the, the spouse I am going to choose, is the spouse I'm going to marry a Christian? Are they committed to following Christ and his word? Will our, will our marriage seek to be an example of Christ and the church that causes people to bless God because of our union? This is our purpose in life, to glorify God. We are to glorify him in every aspect of our lives because he commands us to. And so when we make decisions, we make them in light of that. How is this decision going to glorify and honor God? There are a number of commands in scripture, a number of them. We are to love we are to walk in love. We are to be thankful and content. Don't forget about the commandments that it gives us, the Ten Commandments. That we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart and with all our mind and with all our strength. All of these commands God gives us. He is clear. This is his revealed will. God is clear revealing regarding his revealed will. We want to search and try to find that secret will of God Instead of believing his commands, following his commands. 
last, the last one I want to touch on this evening, I think gets to the heart of it. Pastor Tony got to the heart of it last week. At the end of the day, God's will is that we would trust him. It's that we would trust him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, and do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. I think this is, this is, ultimately, this is ultimately what God desires for you and for us, is that we would trust him, that we would believe him. Remember, God's will is clear. Our sanctification, we don't believe him. We think it's in the major decisions of life. It's in the major decisions of life. So we fret over those things and we waver and debate and get paralyzed and and, and we get uh, riddled with fear that we are not in the will of God and trying to figure out what the secret will of God is. Am I walking in the will of God? Brothers and sisters, God wants you to trust him. Trust him. Trust that if you follow his commands, you are in the will of God. God is good no matter how painful it might be that he is working all things according to the counsel of his will. And they are bringing him glory. They are bringing good to his people. God's desire is that we would trust Christ. Understand, understand that God requires that we follow his commands perfectly. All these commands that I've listed out today, we are to follow them perfectly, perfectly. He demands perfection. No unholy person is getting into heaven, none. On Judgment Day, God is looking for perfection. This is why Christ came. This is why Christ came. This is why he lived and followed the commands of God perfectly. He followed them perfectly. Do you understand that he was the secret, decreed will of God? And he followed the revealed will, the commands of God. He followed those perfectly, perfectly. John 17, he says, Father, I have done everything that you have commanded me to do. Do you want to be in the will of God? Do you want to leave here in the will of God? Trust Christ. Trust him. Believe God when he says that he accepts you based upon what Christ did, based on Christ fulfilling all of his commands. Trust him and believe him. That is the will of God for your life. Brothers and sisters, no no one said decisions are easy. Oh, I understand. I have had to make some tough decisions, and I don't like making tough decisions. They're hard. They're hard, and they're not easy, and you want to please God. You want to know that, you, that you're walking down the right path, choosing a job, a spouse, a car, a house, school, what, major to, what to major in school. All these decisions, they are big, and I'm not making light of them. But no. Know that there is not some secret will, some secret path that you need to find out. 
follow the commands of God. Make a decision and trust that God will use it to bring about your sanctification and to bring glory and glory to himself. Is that not freeing? Is that not freeing that we serve a God who does things right? His secret will is perfect. He has commanded us. He has told us what his will is. Let's follow it and trust him and believe him. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you for your word. For as it says that it is profitable for for teaching and correcting and training us in righteousness. Your word is clear and you have given it to us. You have spoken it to us, O oh Lord, and here they are for us, been given to us to show us where we are to walk, how we are to go. Oh, Father, help us to follow your commands, to follow what it says, to love one another, to walk in love, to serve you and one another. to to seek to glorify you in all things that we do, to pray without ceasing. Oh, Father, help us ultimately to trust Christ and believe him for the salvation of our souls. For this is how you have revealed it in Scripture. This is what you have commanded us to do, to repent and believe the gospel. So I pray if there is someone here this evening who has not followed that command, oh, I pray that you would enlighten their heart, that you would turn their heart of stone into a heart of flesh and that they would respond to that command and come in faith and trust and believe you. Oh, Father, we thank you because we pray to the God who is sovereign over all, who does things right and good, whose will will never, ever, ever be thwarted. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.